ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap Sunday Fun Day. I am your boy Buzz, and I am joined by my dudes, my partners in crime, Johnny Nani and Tony Marchese. And we have a very special guest again. I, I keep saying that during my intros because we just keep pulling in the coolest guys, cool and tough dudes. But before we get into this special guest, be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at ontapsportsnet, following this show specifically at Socks on Tap. And without further ado, Tony, why don't you tell the people who our guest is going to be tonight? What's up, Buzz? Yeah, tonight we have uh, White Sox Dave coming on. Um, this is like guest week here for this show. Um, if you guys haven't had a chance yet, uh, Johnny, myself, and uh, Steve did a nice show with uh, Dan Simborski from Fangraphs earlier this week on Thursday. A ton of content this week as we get into baseball season. Uh, I'm going to crack them and turn it over to Johnny. Johnny, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm good, guys. Sunday fun day. Woo, we're back. I missed last week. I was out uh, on the slopes doing a little skiing, so uh, you guys and kids locked that down at Justin Haven. So, yeah, guest Ronald week here, like you said, Tony. Uh, it was nice talking to Dan Zaborski. Uh, a lot of good stuff on the Zips projections. On, uh, I believe that was Thursday that that episode dropped. And we're ramping up just like baseball is about to ramp up here because pitchers and catchers report, uh, was it this week? Yeah. Yep, yeah. this week, man. I, yeah. I'm so, freaking out. Right hell yeah. Now. I'm, so I'm so ready for it. We're, we're here. We're here for the hype train. We're here to get you hyped up. And uh, White Sox Dave is going to help us do that, guys. All right. Let's get him on. like to welcome in our special guest white Sox dave from barstool sports dave how you doing my man i'm doing great fellas how you guys doing today oh, good hanging in baseballs are on the corner man yes indeed it is you guys are heading out to spring training at all i am yeah I, I will be down there march 18th through the 22nd so like those last four games that are actually down at the facilities hopefully seeing some you know looking like opening day lineups for that so uh, i just worked out with the timing so it'll be nice seeing a spring training game and then a week later i'll be on the south side for opening day how about you yeah I'm, i'll actually be the, i'll be the 16th through the 22nd so uh, we'll have some overlap so yeah for sure we'll meet up down there it'll be a good time yep i wish i could go to spring training i gotta do that man it's on my bucket let's, list. Let's plan a trip, Buzz. I'm down. I'm you so want, down. Do you want to you dress up as Batman and Robin and head down to spring training? Oh, of course. That's not even a question. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. All right. Uh, we, let's fire some questions off for Dave. Uh, Dave, first thing for you. Looking back at the offseason, we've made a lot of moves. Favorite acquisition and why? I, it's got, I mean, it's an easy answer, but I think it's got to be Grant Hall because it, it was the first like major signing of the of all of baseball's off season, and it just kind of showed that they weren't messing around. You know, like it, this is a premier target, and they offered him an offer they couldn't refuse that wasn't going to get beat, and they sold him right off the bat with you know with their young core and their pitching staff. And uh, Grindall said that he did his due due diligence as well with you know studying tape of Giolito and Kopech and Cease and all the young pitching staff. So. Um, I mean, that, that just showed you that, that, like, to me, they weren't going to just – why would they drop all that money on on one player if they weren't going to – if the rest of the offseason wasn't going to just keep – it wasn't going to be live bullet after live bullet as well. So, really grand all for me. 
Yeah, for sure, Dave. Uh, another move that was uh, made this offseason internally, uh, signing Luis Robert to a contract before he's even touched, you know, a baseball field in the big leagues here. Uh, they did the same with Eloy last year. So um, how happy are you that those guys are locked up uh, long term here and we don't have to deal with the service time bullshit like the Cubs had to do with Brian? Yeah, I, and that's uh, that's locking guys up really since Hans, like that's his best attribute attribute as a GM so far. I mean, you saw it with Chris Sale, Quintana, to a lesser extent, obviously he's been hurt. Nate Jones and then Tim Anderson. Um, getting these guys in the lineup, it, I, 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 don't, I don't think that an organization necessarily owes any loyalty to any particular player and vice versa. You know, it's a business, but, um, I mean, who knows? Maybe that was one reason they just signed that, you know, that new Cuban pigeon prospect they just signed a couple of days ago. So I think that, Getting this, getting him in the lot because they're not going to have any wins to spare this winter or this summer, rather. And I like having him in the lineup instead instead of Adam Engel or Lurie Garcia or whoever it was going to be from day one. It, it, I mean, that's going to add at least you know, hopefully a win or two to the end of the season's win total. So yes, it's awesome. And uh, for eight years, you can't beat that. So. Um, yeah, I, I just can't wait. I think he, I do think there is going to be a learning curve with him, similar to what we saw out of both uh, Mankata and with Eloy Jimenez. But at the same time, he's got more tools than anybody. You could argue baseball outside of like Mike Trout. That's how freaky gifted he is. But yeah, so I don't know. It's going to be off to the races as soon as it clicks for me. I just can't wait to see it. Absolutely. I'm in that same boat too. I can't wait to see. Uh... Luis Robert to come up and do some do some damn damage. I was, um, I was waiting for you to roll that R. I was yeah, I tried to roll the R, but I, I can't multitask. Between opening a beer and rolling the R, it just doesn't work for me. Um, yeah, that's cool and tough that you did that all at the same time. Yeah, I I was giving it you know I was giving it my best. Um, Dave, which young pitcher do you think will uh, break through the most? Must much like Giolito did last year. I mean, do you see Cease, Lopez, Kopech? Who do you see breaking out this year and why? I think Kopech's going to be the best pitcher on the staff. Giolito included. Uh, it might oh, not be wow. this year, but I, I mean, his, his stuff is, is absolutely top of the line, top of the rotation, ace, all-star Cy Young type stuff. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. And I, and with him, it's weird because they kind of, with the timing of his injury, obviously they really have to keep him down until May. Otherwise they're, they're really shortening up their window. So it sucks that he can't be here opening day in spite. I mean, he could cruise through spring training, like, like, you know, he never was injured. So, but at the same time, you have, you have to get those service years back. So, but I think that once he does click, he's going to be the best pitcher on the staff. And I think it's going to be by a healthy, healthy margin. Dave, give us your most realistic start date for Michael Kopak right here. Um, you know, we we just talked about some of the service time stuff. Um, what's what's your anticipated date that we're going to see Michael Kopak back in the South Side? See, with the timing of his injury, it was it was in what was it, August of 2018. So most most pitchers come back within about 12 months. It's been it's going to be 18, 19 months, whatever. So there should be really no restrictions on him as far as pitch count and innings and all that. And I, I read a quote that Han had, uh, this was probably back in December. So they're not really looking at it in terms of what his pitch count or innings uh, count is at the time they do decide to, 
you know, start worrying about shutting him down. It's gonna, they're going to be looking at the analytics of him. Like, is his fastball, does it still have the same spin rate and spin rate in life? And is his command still as good as it was in September as it was in, you know, May or whatever. But with the, which I, which I do, I love. They're, they're looking at it in, you know, new age method, which is a refreshing for a kind of, you know, behind the curve team as far as analytics have gone in the last 10, 12 years or so. But um, I, it's 172 days uh, for a major league, for, to, for a major league service year. And to get him back, it's, it's, you got to take into account everything he's played. He's already pitched in, which is like 30 days or whatever it was. So I would say probably, I would guess like mid-May. Mid-May, early June. I don't know. Uh, I'll put the over-under at May 15th. All right. All right. That's fair. Yeah. And you talk about recovering service time there. Um, another guy that may be getting the service time treatment here is uh, Nick Madrigal. So, Dave, say you're the manager. Uh, you're at Renteria. How do you handle the second base situation if the front office tells you they're waiting uh, until Madrigal's service time date to call him up and he's not breaking camp with the team? How do you handle those first few weeks? I would go Danny Mendek. I think he'd be perfectly suitable bottom of the order hitter, which is what magical would be anyways. And I mean, if you look at Mendek, he's, he's got really low swing and miss nor it's not close to what magical is, but he only struck out like 14, 15% of the time. I want to say throughout his ascent in the minors, which is still well above average. So I don't know if he can just, and any, and he also plays great, you know, great defense, but I think he would be perfectly suitable as someone who's strong defensively up the middle, who can move runners, you know, around the, around the bases from the nine hole and until Magical is ready. But if it were up to me, I don't think Magical's ceiling is, and, and I don't think, like, we, I think all, we would all agree on this, that Magical's ceiling is nowhere near what it was with Eloy or with Robert or anybody else. Uh, of like their top prospects. So I would just have him in the lineup opening day because I, I wouldn't really worry about that seventh year because even if he does turn into, if he reaches his his peak of what he is, I don't think that's going to require some $300 million extension down the road anyways. You know, he might be due a $75 million extension or new free agent contract, but it's nothing that the White Sox have ever really worried about spending anyway. So I would have him in the lineup from opening day personally. Well, speaking of opening day, Dave, you have a, a guy that's been questioned heavily throughout White Sox, Twitter and White Sox fans every, everywhere for the most part. Um, what are your thoughts on Nomar Mazzara coming into this year? Do you think that he improves like the coaching staff had said with him, you know, they think they can unlock some talent or do you think he just kind of remains the guy that he has been for the first four years in the league? I mean, even if, see, I wanted to go big or go home. And when they traded for him, I was, no, I actually can't stand Quig. I I think he stinks. I I can't stand him. And I'll I'll say his name. Uh, This is like two years ago. I have a friend who lives out in LA and she's gotten to know Brandon McCarthy pretty, pretty decently well. And Brandon McCarthy has gone on on record saying this guy sucks in the clubhouse. Like, stop like liking him because he's a flashy player. He's you know he's 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 entertaining from a from a watching the TV or watching the game live perspective. But I don't like want to mess with cool any clubhouse tough. vibes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he, there's, there's, there's but, pictures of him, st- you know, like getting ready to like 
throw down and stuff like that. And I always think you needed that asshole on your team. I don't know. I, I just, I guess I'm into that kind of shit for the most part, but I, I, totally I I'm not what you're saying. I'm not against that kind of stuff on the field whatsoever, but when it's like behind the scenes in the clubhouse, I don't want it. Like, right. And, and people try to compare him to AJ. AJ was from everything. Everybody I've talked to, AJ was pretty well liked in the Sox clubhouse. Obviously he rubbed some people the wrong way, but like, from everything I understand is Puig just is a total asshole and like nobody <laughs> likes him. He's always bitching. He's always loafing, just stuff like that. So I don't want anything to do with him. I don't think he's, if he was like some superstar five win player, then yeah, sure. You deal with it, but he's not anymore. He hasn't been for years. So I would rather, uh, you know, I'd rather, I'd Mazzara, if, if he can tap into any of that potential he has, and he's a two, three win player this year at the, you know, seven, eight, seven or eight hole in the lineup. And he hits 30 plus dingers. I'm all for that. But at the time of the trade, I hated it. So do you think like protecting him lower in the lineup will help unleash some of that stuff that people thought, you know, some of that potential that, you know, team Texas thought that he had and that the White Sox think that he have. So putting him down lower in the lineup probably helps him out in your opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I'm, I don't think – I think lineup protection is a little overrated. People are thinking, like, Jose Bray is going to go off this year just because, like, there's better players around him, which I think may happen to a small extent, but people think he's going to be, you know, the rookie version of Jose Abreu. But with Mazzara, I think it'll be – I mean, if he hits 25 home runs, he gets on base at a 325 clip from the seven hole, and he plays just as – you know, if he's just a little below average in right field, that's I'll, I'll take that all day, especially when you consider what the White Sox have been trotting out in right field the last two years, which has been – like last year was historically bad production. So, um, so yeah, just go be a little above average, and that's fine from that from where he's projected to hit in the lineup. Dave, the, the outfield defense let's, – let's shift to the other side of the ball here. The outfield defense is going to be a little bit sketchy outside of Luis Robert. Uh, do you nice. see any improvement from Eloy over and left on the horizon? Uh, I I hope so because he's like he's oh, like people give Kyle Schwarber shit for being bad defensively, and to Schwarber's to Schwarber's defense, he has improved. So there is hope for Eloy, but Eloy makes Kyle Schwarber look like Willie Mays in in the field. <laughs> That's how he's. He, he is, might be the worst defensive outfielder I've ever seen, and that's not me just, like, looking for shock and awe responses, but he is horrible, horrible defensively. So, I don't know. I mean, and, and people, people showed me a couple of stats recently. Like, after April, he was, like, negative 10 def- defensive runs saved, and after that, he from, like, May through August or September, whatever the end of the season was, he uh he was like a zero, which I couldn't believe, because that's you know that's an average outfielder. But so I hope I'm wrong and my eyes are just failing me. But he he's bad. So if he can just be a little below average as well, awesome. But at the same time, like you guys said, like with Mazzara and right and Eloy and left, Robert's gonna have to cover like you know foul pole to foul pole this summer. And with his injury history, I don't know if I'd necessarily like that. I think, what was it, two weeks ago, guys, that we had this conversation about uh, Eloy and left and how I wanted him to move to DH. Do you, do you see Eloy, Dave, as a future DH? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I think he's he's going to be such a good hitter that you can, you know, just throw him at DH and, you know, play him in left field when you need to against, like, interleague teams and stuff and let him go hit 45 home runs, hit 300, and get on base towards a 400 clip. And that's an awesome player. You know, you're talking about J.D. Martinez right there, which is, you know, I'll take that all day. Yeah, Dave, uh, I, I kind of think the tough talk at uh, Sox Fest was just that talk. So uh, hopefully eventually he just accepts a DH role uh, when we get to that point. So um, let's move on here. Dave, it's a two-parter for you. What's your ideal opening day lineup? And then how about your ideal lineup when all the pieces are here? Uh, for example, Madrigal. Um, okay, so I, I got shit on by some people and a lot of other people agree with me. I would have to start the year, which I don't think it will be. This is what I do. I had Grandall leading off. And cause he, I mean, he's by far the best on base guy on the team. I don't, I, I don't really care that he's, he's slow and not the prototypical lead off, you know, you know, slap hitter, speedy guy, which is 1980s baseball. Uh, then I'd have Mikata in the two hole every single game, every time he's in the lineup, no matter righty, lefty, whatever, I don't care. He's the two hitter. Then I'd go Eloy, and then I'd go Incarn or not, or yeah, I'd go Eloy Incarnacion, then Abreu three four five. I want I want Eloy up in the first inning every single game because I think he's going to be better than Incarnacion and Abreu this year from the plate. And then after that, uh, I at, at that point you can mix and match a little bit, I think. But I would have Anderson six or seven, and um, then probably Robert and then Mazzara and then Magical. But I would love, love, love if Magical or Robert showed enough right off the bat where they could be lead off. But I don't think either of them will for a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point, Dave. Um, so do you think down the road, though, at some point this season, uh, maybe a little bit later after he gets a little more comfortable, we see Robert uh, tried in that leadoff spot? I think so, but like, like, and, and I try to, like, I, obviously I'm a White Sox fan. I'm a fanboy. I'm biased. I think Robert is going to get exposed big time right off the bat by big league pitching. I, I got the minor league package where I watch probably 75% of Charlotte's games and Birmingham's games last year online. And it's not, it's not difficult to know how to attack him as a pitcher at this point. You throw, you get him in a, in a pitcher's count, you know, 0 2 one 2 and if you throw him a slider off the plate in the left-handed batter's box, he's swinging at it. He might make contact on it, and he's good enough physically where he might drill it, but he's swinging at it regardless. And against big league pitching, I know Kluber's not in the division anymore, but, uh, you know, Trevor Bauer's not, whoever it is, Mike Clevenger say, he's got a, such a disgusting slider that Robert's going to swing through that pitch 100% of the time. And he's going to strike out a lot right off the bat until he proves he can lay off that pitch and pitchers are forced to attack him more in the zone. So, um, but if, I mean, who knows, maybe like that's what he's worked on all winter. I hope it is. And he walks into, you know, guaranteed rate field on March 26th and pitchers are attacking him. Then he starts drawing walks and then he's getting on base and then he's, you know, frustrating hitch uh, pitchers, building pitch counts. And then all of a sudden, you know, that, that there's a whole ripple effect in the lineup when when he learns how to do that. I just don't know if it has happened yet or when it will happen. But I would love for it 
to be opening day or really soon after the season starts. Dave, before I get into this next question, man, I just got to ask you one thing. Can you roll your R's? We have everybody do it that comes on the show. Can you roll Luis Roberts? Can you do it for us real quick? I cannot. You can't do it? No, I can't, right. I can't either, Dave. It's, 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 it's okay, like a, Dave. It's a day, hereditary thing, right? Yeah, it's a hereditary thing, yeah. But at opening day, I'm going to fill you up with another beer. I'm gonna, I'll buy a case of beer, and then we'll get you to do it. I, I can't <laughs> do it. I'm, I, majored, I majored in Spanish, too, so like I couldn't pronounce half the words in Spanish because I couldn't do that. I would just say it like a normal R. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, well, I appreciate your attempt. I appreciate your attempt. Uh, the fr- that was awesome. The front uh, half of the schedule is pretty light next year in certain spots. Um, if the Sox are looking like contenders nearing the trade deadline, what type of acquisition would you want to see? This is I told you it was going to be complex. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's, it's, and I've <laughs> thought about this. I really – I think their next move – I mean, obviously there's going to be minor signings in the next – you know throughout the course of this I, I'm not talking throughout the course of this season there's going to be minor trades probably for like a bullpen piece where you're not sacrificing you know a big name but I think Andrew Vaughn is going to be such a stud that I'm not moving him unless it's for like for instance a Chris Sale type pitcher so and I'm saying that because that was like I want if if I'm moving him I want to be in a package to get a absolute stud who's like the final linchpin in return like final linchpin into becoming an actual World Series contender because I still think they are a year away from being legit World Series World Series contenders but Andrew Vaughn I think is going to be such a freak that I wouldn't want to just do like Andrew Vaughn for you know so and so blah 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 that is a pretty good player. I want it to be for someone who's like, I, and I'm just throwing a name out there, Mookie Betts level good. But I mean, I wouldn't do that for Mookie Betts right now because he's only got the one year of control. Left. He's looking at potentially a $400 million deal. So um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough because after, after Vaughn, who will be up next year, there's, it, it gets a little dicier in, ter- in terms of talent in the farm. Uh, they got a couple interesting pieces with uh, Dahlquist and, and Thompson, who they drafted last year, the high school pitchers. But, I don't, like, I don't know. Like, and I think they're going to be in a position to go to the playoffs this year. It won't be as a wild card, and I think Rick Hahn realizes that. So, if they're within a game or two of the division lead, either way, behind the Twins or Indians or ahead of them, I don't think we're going to see like some crazy deal because what's the point of going big or going home with your, the rest of your top prospects. I'm talking Andrew Vaughn at this point. If, you know, if, if there's a chance that you're not going to the playoffs, unless you win the division, that's my take, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we, we got to see if there's going to be any big Cuban signings on July or Cuban. I say Cuban cause that's like all they sign now. Uh, I, Latin American signings, I should have said, on July 2nd, I guess. You talked about some of those minor league pieces here, um, and we talked about it on a trade front, but uh, let's keep it in-house here. And uh, which guys do you think could be hidden gems and maybe contribute a bit this year? Some guys that I kind of have in mind, uh, Jonathan Stevers, Zach Birdie, possibly yeah. finally re- resurfacing from the dead, uh, then Ian Hamilton maybe. But uh, what about you? Anyone else on your radar there? Yes. Yeah, uh, I watched a lot of Stever, uh last year. I think he's got he's – got, 
phenomenal stuff. And, and like a lot of, a lot of projections for pitchers, like, especially in the like major league baseball, the MLB doc, uh, pipeline rank, rankings, like if you're projected to be a third or fourth starter, you're going to be a top 100 prospect. Uh, Stever's not that yet, but I think just by watching Stever, and he was, he was pitching in a really, really hitter-friendly league last year. I mean, this guy throws 95, 96. His command is fantastic compared to, like, what Kopech or Cease were at the same juncture. And his, his curveball is nasty. So he, and, and his changeup's not bad either. So he's a three-pitch pitcher with really good command that has top-of-the-line stuff. I think he could be like – yeah, I don't think he'll ever be like, you know, a top-of-the-line Chris Sale – uh, what I think Michael Kopech will be, but I think he'll be a really, really good middle of the rotation piece. And if he's traded, it's because other teams think that too. And I know at this point they do. And so, I mean, if, if they do end up moving him, I think it'll be for someone really good in return. All right. So guys like uh, that, you talked a lot about pitchers there, uh, a good insight there, but Guys in the field here, as far as I'm concerned, Luis Alexander Basabi and yeah. Mike Rodolfo are dead to me. Prove me wrong. I I disagree on on Basabi. Uh, he was hurt. I mean, he had the hand thing last year. You gonna make the uh, and I go, game for the eighth year in a row? Well, uh, hopefully not. He's still young. He's only. I mean, I don't have him in front of me, but he's only like 21, 22 years old. He was playing above his age in in Birmingham last year. I, so when I lived out in Arizona for like eight weeks, two winters ago, and I would go to, and I didn't know anybody out there. So I'd go watch batting practice and stuff for the Sox. And, uh, if like, in the, if you go to the backfields, all it is, is the entire system from the 16 year old, you know, Latin American signees to, to Jose Brave and the major league guys taking BP. If you, if you were just blind to knowing who all these players were and were told to pick out the best player on the field, a lot of people would look at Luis Basabi and say, outside, and I say this outside of Robert because he's such a physical freak, you would look at Luis Basabi and say, that's the guy that's going to be a stud. And I think this year, because I'm sure he's going to repeat Birmingham, and it'll be an age-appropriate level for him this year, that he's going to take off. He, he's got every tool in the book, aside from the swing and miss issues. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, I yeah, I had to do that for shock value, Dave. I really, I do think he has a lot of tools, but I just had to do that to elicit the response. Yeah, of course. So, um, is yeah. is Jake Berger ever going to return, Dave? What are your thoughts on that? I've got to know Jake. Like, I don't, I don't want to say well, but you know, I'm friendly with him, and I haven't talked to him in months. The last time I actually talked to him is when I was actually at the Red Sox game where Anderson went down uh, at Fenway Park. I went out there and checked out Fenway, and uh. Berger hit me up. He's like, Hey, is he okay? I'm like, dude, it was a non-contact injury. And those are the worst injuries, you know? And that was the last time. So I'm like, Hey, how you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. But it's, I don't want to like impinge on, on his privacy or anything and like be like, Hey man, how's your Achilles? And you know, that's just, I'm not close enough with them to do so yet, but I have no idea. And I think it's weird that the organization hasn't said anything on him. Um, but I, I hope, I mean, and I talked to him, like, every time I would talk to him, he, he, you don't, his brain didn't get injured, you know, he still knows how to hit a baseball, and that's why he was drafted, so, I mean, who knows, if he does come back, I would expect him to pick up where he left off, and hopefully uses the injury as, like, a, a learning 
and coping me mechanism to say, Hey, like I gotta, I gotta get in shape better. I gotta, I gotta take care of my body better and all that stuff. But I honestly have not a single clue what's going on with him. Well, we love Jake. I mean, he came over and uh, did an interview with us over on Shy Sox Weekly last year. Awesome dude. We had a great time uh, recording with him. But uh, mm -hmm. there's some there's some on tap sports net uh, stake in this because as Cherizi predicted that he's going to hang him up and come right for us. We we just we wanted to know if there, you had any insight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I mean, I'll when when I go down to spring training, I'll I'll hit him up and to see how he's doing and. But no, I, I unfortunately don't because, like I said, I don't, I don't want to pin John or, you know, be the dickhead that's being like, hey, man, how's your Achilles? Can I tweet it out? So, so I wouldn't do that. But I'll ask him once I get down there next month. Sure. I think, you know, you said they have been pretty hush on that front with Jake Berger. But I think Han did just graze over it a little bit at Sox He Fest. did. And, uh, yeah. yeah, and it was just kind of, you know, the general, like, okay, you know, we're going to see. Uh, how he's you know feeling in spring training and you know did, get him going back into activity. So did they give a um, June date for him? I can't remember if they if he actually was. gave they a would, date. They did last year. I want to say. Yeah, I don't think they committed to one this year. I want to say that they gave him a June return last year, and then and then he had a bruised heel. I don't know how that happens. And I, I bruised my heel in football, and it's it, awful. It's horrible. Um, but at the same time, like, it's not a six month injury, you, you know, you just don't walk on it for a couple of weeks and you're fine. Right. So I don't know what's going on. Well, we'll see. Hopefully that, you know, uh, we get a little more insight and actually see him, uh, in action, uh, even if it's just, you know, uh, practice and whatnot workouts for uh, spring training and see where he goes maybe at an affiliate midsummer. But, um, all right, Dave, let's get back to, uh, this team in 2020. Uh, we need to get the predictions here. First, are the Sox going to the playoffs? And then, uh, to back that up, let's see a, uh, record prediction and where they finish in the AL central wildcard standings. A uh, wild card, I think, is completely out of reach. It'll it'll either be Tampa, the Yankees, uh, the A's, or who am I missing? Uh, I'm missing LA, someone. Maybe? Uh, yeah, maybe LA. The yeah. Red Sox are gonna be they're gonna stink again. But <laughs> I don't I don't think I think they're they're one pack to go into the playoffs is through the AL Central. Um, Josh Allison, that sucks. The Twins signing him, I think he's a stud. Uh, the Twins' offense is obviously was loaded prior to him signing, and now it's just even better. They're, I mean, they're going to have Miguel Sano, who hit, like, what was it, 35 home runs last year in, like, 100 games. They're going to have him hit in, like, the seventh or eighth spot. So their lineup is terrifying, but I think their pitching is going to stink. Homer Bailey's dog shit. Uh, I mean, Kent Maeda, <laughs> I, I don't – They didn't like get him. Getting him. They, I, no, if, they, I don't know – I thought they backed up. Yeah, they backed up. I've heard so many different things. Like, like even the main, main, main insiders, like Rosenthal and Heyman and all oh, those man. guys were all saying different things. Like, one guy would say they backed out. The other guy said not. they haven't backed out yet. I don't know. But if well, they do get him, that, like, I don't, I don't believe don't... anybody, Dave, but MLB Intel. That's the only guy I believe. <laughs> <laughs> it is so annoying when that kind of stuff happens because I get 8,000 DMs about it. And it's like, dude, what do you do? What are you talking about? I was How does this guy have day. all this information? I mean, I know it, it's not impossible, but it's like it's, it's unlikely. If no one, if okay, if if it, the only way he's correct is if right away. I mean, I'm sure those kind of tweets get to like Rosenthal too, and 
Rosenthal has every source on earth, he's going to go and say, hey, is this true? And he would confirm it immediately, like immediately. So that's all you need to know about those guys. But anyways, uh, what was even the question? Oh, the playoffs? Um, yeah, the record prediction. Record, I, I, I think they're going to win 90 games. I would, like, I'm looking at the elite sports book over under right now, and they're at 84 in this sports book. I don't know what sports book that is. I want to say that's the new horseshoe sports book in Indiana. I could be incorrect, but my buddy just sent me the over unders, and they're at 84. I would, I would bet the over. I think they're going to be really good this year. I think the Twins are just going to be like 94, 95 wins, which is pretty unfortunate. Ouch. So, yeah. I know. No, it, it, it's realistic, though. I, I agree with you. People are saying the Twins are going to regress, and yeah, they're probably not going to hit as many as they did last year, but like you said, the lineup's still riddled with fucking mashers. Well, the, the, the thing with the Twins is the Twins have a, a, a really top-heavy farm system, too, a really, and they're much more suited to go out and get that one-year rental, you know, whoever that is that puts them into a position to win a World Series and run away with the division. The White Sox aren't quite there yet. They're not quite there yet. So that's that's I, I know like White Sox fans don't want to hear that, but if you if you're holding a gun to my head and say, hey, you got to pick playoffs or not, I'd say probably not this year, but next year, like they have no excuse. Like I I, I don't think there's any excuse for them not to be, not to be the team that signs Mookie Betts. I think they should be all over the starting pitching market once again, trading whatever prospects they need to trade to shore up the rotation. I just think this year is more of a Let's hope all these guys, you know, light the world on fire and go to the playoffs and gamble that way instead of, you know, going out and trading every single thing we have to make the playoffs this year, and which would jeopardize the long-term outlook of the organization. That's my that's my take. So, Dave, one one thing that the Sox have done is they set themselves up though to hit a lot more bombs this year. Do you think that they're going to feast on Twins pitching? You kind of mentioned that. Is that is that the only path that we have here? The, so I was, uh, this was, this was two years ago. I was, when I was living out in Arizona, this is when Homer Bailey was on the Reds and Robert went yard off him. And it was, I remember it was cold. It was like 50 degrees this day. And, uh, it was, it was kind of drizzling, like drizzling out a little bit. And then Robert went yard for his first spring home run ever off Homer Bailey. Wasn't and I remember thinking to myself. It might have been a grand slam. Yeah, it, it, it might have been actually. I made a gif of it. It definitely was a grand slam. It was so, and then I remember thinking to myself, like, because Homer Bailey, he's got two no hitters, correct? I yeah. want to say he's got two. Yeah, I think he does. Probably. He's got two, and then the Red signs into like a crazy big, you know, contract extension, and he's, I swear to God, the most like any one of us could get, get a batter's box off him and put the ball in play. Like he is the most hittable, lifeless boring, bland pitcher I have ever seen. Like, like his, like, I know it's good to throw strikes, but he is, he, he throws the ball right down the middle, which is, it, it was, which is obviously not good to do. So I think it, it's going to be bombs away off him this year. I mean, I, I think, uh, uh, what's his face is a, is a stud. And I think he could go out and, you know, be a dark horse for a Cy Young. Uh, what's his name? Why am I blanking out his name? Righty, short guy. Order is he? No. Yeah, not order is Brios. Yeah, Brios. I'm sorry. I don't know how I blanked on that. Brios. I think he's a stud. Odorizzi is obviously a good pitcher, but outside of that, it's 
a whole lot of nothing. They got they got Rich a good Hill's back. Be on the pen. fucking IL half the season. Yeah, no shit. Half the season. But if see, he he's like a big he's like a big X factor for them because even though he's like a hundred years old, even when he if he is pitching a lot for them, he's still a good pitcher. I wouldn't have mind the Sox to sign him this year just to try to get a hundred innings out of him because he is a good pitcher. Like, but he's, as, like he's you said, he's, he's never on. not hurt. He's great when he's, he's on. He's just he always has a right. blister. He's always got a he's fucking all, blister. Right. He's always he's always got the blister issue. So, um, so yeah, like I, I think it's gonna be bombs away off them. I think those socks and I know all the projections and war and steamers and all that says otherwise, but like and I'm trying to not look at this with White Sox tinted glasses, but I think that the White Sox pitcher pitching staff talent wise and like projectability for the 2020 season is is like head and shoulders better than the Twins. Yeah, for sure. You look at the pieces there, um, and definitely kind of skips uh, for the Twins, whereas there's more potential there, especially with those young guys like we asked you earlier. Uh, I mean, hell, look at if Renel Lopez really turns it on and has like a breakout type of season, maybe not Giolito level, but uh, shit, if he can be a little more consistent, uh, I think that would go a long way, and obviously we'll get uh, Kopech into that mix too, so um, yep. I, I'm with you on the advantage there. Dave, I've got I've got a question for you about Dylan Cease. You want to talk about Sox pitching here, we'll just stay on topic. Uh, Dylan Cease struggles in the first two innings. Is this mental? I, I remember listening to you back on, on Redline Radio talking about Giolito and talking about you know, this guy might not figure it out because it's all on his head. What kind of conversation would you have with Dylan Cease about those first two innings if, if you were Don Cooper? Um, so I'll take it back to his high school. If you go and look at look him up in the Under Armour All-American game from when he was in high school, his mechanics were ugly, ugly. Like, they were really, really herky-jerky. He, he still threw, like, 95 which is obviously what you aim for out of projectability for a high school kid. But like they smoothed out a lot. And for him, it, it's, it's not too dissimilar to Giolito. Giolito needed a complete overhaul and he did it over the course of an off season and was, you know, probably the best turnaround in baseball history. And I'm, and I'm not just saying that, but I think Cease is way closer to uh, being a successful big league pitcher now than Giolito was when he, first got called up and struggled mightily. So it's just, like, it's all about repetition. Um, and I think I'm one to believe that most players and not just pitchers, baseball players in general, like in order to be the best per, the best player they can personally be, they need to experience some level of failure. Cause like, for instance, like Giolito, he was a first round pick dominated high school there was the three other first round picks or whatever on his high school team. He never needed to find command. You know, he was blowing the ball by guys at 97 miles an hour when he was in high school. He didn't need to worry about hitting corners, but once you get up to the upper levels of minors in the big leagues, you can't do that. And it's, I think it's a lot of the same for cease. Like he's trying to nibble so much on the corners right now that he's, 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 his, his consistency and his command has been really greatly affected because of it. So like, and I, I know this kind of contradictory to what I just said, but go and challenge these guys sometimes. And when I watch him pitch, like he's got that asshole in him that that I like to see as far as like he's not intimidated by anybody. But at the same time, he's like trying to be too cute with location and stuff. And once he does, you know, throw three three poor pitches in a row, 
then all of a sudden it snowballs into a big inning. And that's exactly what you saw at Giolito two years ago. So I think once you see one, two, or three starts in a row where he does find success and he goes six, seven, eight innings with a bunch of strikeouts and, and he does look good, then like it'll, it'll just all of a sudden click for him and be like, all right, now I know what to do. I'm going to go do this with consistency every five days. And I think Don Cooper, who I know he's like an old school guy, but he's completely receptive to new age, you know, mechanical adjustments and pitching development. So I think Cecil be fine. Um, he, and, and like he had, I want to say half the starts in AAA that Kopech did, uh, like a third of the starts in AAA that Giolito did. So he's like, in terms of baseball years, the youngest by far out of all of them. So I, I, last year was learning experience. He got teed off on a little bit, which, like I said, is could be bene- and should be beneficial to the long-term outlook for him. But at the same time, now it's do or die. Like, hey, you got to be a good pitcher this year, man, because this team's trying to go to the playoffs. Right, Dave, just to keep it uniform within the pitching here, um, just one guy I wanted to bring up to you real quick, because you and I had conversations about him on Twitter before I even think he was signed. Uh, This is Dallas Keuchel. And last year, um, he had 19 games started for the Braves. He went 8-8, and he had a 3.75 ERA. He kind of kept it uniform to the year prior when he was with Houston with his 3.74 ERA, though he appeared in 34 games. What are you expecting out of Dallas Keuchel this year, not only on the field, but in you know, the clubhouse as well with all these guys. And do you, like, what benefits do you see with having him on the squad? And are you excited to, you know, have him a part of this roster? And what do you expect of him? Like in, in going to Twitter, like, there was a lot of Cubs fans that were giving me shit. Like, oh, Dallas Keuchel's not the same Cy Young winner that he was. Like, I don't know why everybody's so excited about this. Like, he's, he's like, just a decent pitcher at this point. It's like, yeah, no fucking shit. Like, that's exactly what the Sox needed because they were trying to dump Kobe and other idiots. Oh, just Sam or Des- Despanier or however you say it every five days, you <laughs> yes. know? Like, if, yes. if he goes out yes. and has 200 innings of 3.75 ERA pitching next year, I am completely happy with that. You know, I'm so happy with that. And as far and by all accounts, he's, you know, really, he's like a really good teammate. He, he works with the younger guys really well. So, so sign me up. And everyone's like, oh, that's such an overpay. It's like it's 55. It's a three-year deal. He's going to give you innings, like, and keep you in ball games at the very worst. So, like, that's the going rate for a pitcher like that. So I love the signing. I, I would have rather had Zach Wheeler, but – and I'll defend the White Sox on this. By no fault of theirs, they didn't get him. Um, but, I mean, he's a perfectly fine consolation prize, I think. I'm with you, Dave, and like you said, you can't do shit about the Wheeler situation. Uh, like it, they, they literally had the best offer. So, uh, what else more can you do? That, right. That's that's I, it on that one. That's so. so White Sox right there, Johnny. <laughs> I just remember going back and just like I said, the reason I wanted to bring that up is because you and I had conversations about Keuchel. I think even before that, you know, we knew when he was going to be a free agent. When he after he signed with Atlanta, he only did the one year deal. We're kind of looking at him as an option. So I just kind of want to get your thoughts and opinions on. Yeah, and I on. like two years ago when he was a free agent. I did not want anything to do with them because I didn't think that there was a point in signing someone that was going to put you from 70 wins to 73 wins, you know? Right. So that like, so, but this, this off season, it's completely different because they do have Yasmani Grandal. They do have, and they, you know, there, there's better talent around him and he doesn't need to come in and, and dominate. He just needs to be a, right. He doesn't need to be the guy. He needs to be a guy, which is perfectly fine with me. 
Absolutely. Dave, there's a lot of people out there that are worried that the Rays picked up Dylan Covey, and I'm not one of them. I don't give a shit because Dylan Covey fucking sucked while he was here. But there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, the Rays, have, have they picked him up. They see something in him. Uh, what, what would you say to those people? Or maybe maybe you agree with that, but I just want your I your honestly opinion. don't disagree with it. I don't, like, I don't care that the White Sox lost him whatsoever. I'll make that loud and clear. But at the same time, when I – like. When Dylan Covey, first of all, he was a Rule 5 guy. Uh, so, as a Rule 5 guy, it's a long shot that you're going to be good anyways because the team that, like, that you were on previously didn't think highly of you, enough, of you enough to put you on their 40, man. So, and then prior to that, like, but when he was drafted originally, he was drafted, I want to say, the pick before Chris Sale. He was like a top 10 pick. And he didn't sign because he got diagnosed with diabetes and he wanted to make sure his health and his body was okay. And he turned down millions of millions of dollars to do so. And then he was like a fifth round pick the next year or whatever it was. But when, like when I watch Dylan Kobe pitch, I think he's got really good stuff, but it just, it never clicked with the White Sox outside of when he did like his first five or seven starts when he got called, when he was with the Sox originally. But like at this point, it's like I've seen that I've seen enough of them where if he does go and flourish with another organization, it might be with the Rays. That like I don't care. Like it kind of happened with Abisal Garcia last year with the with the Rays, where he had a good year and but like I don't care because I he stunk for the White Sox so long. Like I can't blame them for just saying hey, see you later, you know. So I I don't know. I don't think he'll make the Rays, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do like see something below the surface that they think they can tweak or change where he does become at least somewhat successful big league pitcher. I wouldn't be surprised at all. No, I, I, I follow you there. And, and if he does become, you know, somewhat of a, maybe a three, four, even like for the Rays, it doesn't matter. And that's just my opinion is that we've seen enough of Dylan Covey and, and you brought up Odri Samar, Despagne, and uh, and the likes of those. Those are rebuild guys for me. Innings eaters in a rebuild, and I just right. I think we're past that right now as as a team that we trot some of these guys out there who might be projects. It just doesn't it doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. So I'm not losing any sleep over it. But I've I've seen a few people on Twitter who are are really concerned that the Sox just let this guy walk. And in my opinion, I'm like I, I'm happy for that. Like they they shouldn't be doing this. We need to stop the projects. And, that, and then I go back to like a guy like Nomar Mazzara and it's like, you're doing the exact same thing right there. So it's very conflicting for me. And that's, that's why I asked you that question. No. And, and I, that, that's actually a good point. Like I would have rather the Sox acquired Mazzara last year to see what, if they could tweak anything or change anything. Cause obviously, obviously everybody knew that they weren't doing anything last year as far as winning any games last year anyways. So I would have liked that last year and I would have liked more of a sure thing for right field this year. But after, after they had gone through the entire off season, pitchers and catchers report in three days after they went through the whole off season. Now that I'm looking at it, if you know, Mazzara has the exact same stats he had last year from the seven or eight hole in the lineup for the White Sox this year, that's pretty much, that's pretty fine with me considering, you know, they were historically bad in right field this year. But I do see the parallels at the same time, yeah. Dave, I've got one more for you here, um, just to piggyback off that. Uh, going in the outfield, Nomar Mazar, this brought up another one for me. Adam Engel, you and I talked a little bit about this at the Sox Fest after party. I asked you, 
is Adam Engel's swing fixed, and how much are we going to see him this year? You seem to think that he he has the stuff to continue to play. I love his glove, but how often do you think we're going to see Adam Engel in this lineup? Yeah, um, I mean, I think the twenty six man uh, roster helps a little bit. It's, I mean, you you see this in the playoffs, and uh, you saw this with with uh, uh, Terrence Gore and Kansas City a few years back. Um, a couple other guys, I'm not jumping off the top of my head, but guys that you pinch hit for a pitcher in a playoff game or a World Series even, um, specifically a World Series, if you pinch hit them or pinch run them for a pitcher and then they go and steal second and third, you know, those guys stay in baseball just because of that. Like Terrence Gore, for instance. Uh, Adam Engel, obviously, he's, he's fantastic defensively, but uh, I, he was always a project as a hitter, but at the same time, his, his tools are really, really loud. And like, like I said, I would, I would go and watch batting practice. He can hit a ball out of the park on command. Like if you put him in a home run derby, he would hold his own just fine. And unless like pressure got to him or nerves or whatever, but like, why doesn't that translate? Because, because his swing was so bad. And so it was so like, it was so rough around the edges that, that, he he was never going to find success. And, and you hear the term repeatability for a pitcher, and that's like having the same mechanics over and over and over again. So you, it, it turns into muscle memory. So basically throwing a baseball, thinking about throwing it, you're thinking about like two pitches ahead. And it's similar for uh, Ingle. Like he was changing his, his swing at bat to at bat, trying to find something that was comfortable for him. Got sent down last year, worked with Frank Manichino, who's with the big league club this year, and he came back and his swing was night and day. And I do know I the coach that worked with him last offseason and into this uh, last offseason and into last year, uh, his offseason coach is Justin Stone, who's the he's the advanced hitting instructor for the Chicago Cubs. He's got his his uh, facilities up here in in Chicago. I know the guy really well, and he's like. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Kyle Bodie from driveline. He's like the Kyle, he's like the Kyle Bodie of hitting and the Cubs just hired him to be their like advanced hitting guy. So this guy knows what he's talking about. Adam Ingo gets called back up and he, he looked really, really good. And his swing was the same from at bat to at bat. And it was so much more smoothed out and he was making consistent hard contact. And I think if you platooned him and Mazzara, I think that would be an effective platoon, especially considering Adam Ingle's defense, because then you have, instead of a, two bad defenders and a good defender in the outfield, you got two really good defenders in the outfield for late games, you know, for, for pinch running if they need him to do that. So I think he, Adam Ingle absolutely has a place. And if they deploy him correctly where he's, you know, facing left-handed pitching and playing late in games, he, he will be an important piece to winning and losing baseball games. Here's a follow-up to that, Dave. You mentioned Frank Menachino, the new White Sox hitting coach. How much of an effect do you think he's going to have on this White Sox roster overall? I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm boys with Polka. I know Engel. Like, I talked to Engel about him, and I'm like, hey, can, I, can you give me a couple quotes on him to go on the record with? This is back in when they hired Menachino, uh to be the hitting coach, and he's like, dude, this guy oh, – actually, I'll pull it up right now. Hold on one second. But uh, he he said like this guy knows hitting inside and out, but he doesn't like have one specific like like thought for that's general from for just a team. Like he 
he doctors everything specifically to each player because every player is different. Here's the exact quote. He goes, uh, Frank spends a lot of time studying guys' swings throughout their work in their video of competitive at-bats. Once he knows how you tick, he's hyper-focused on keeping you in a place where he knows you have your best chance at success. Being in a cage with Frank pregame is as challenging, if not more challenging, than the pitching you're about to see at game time. I've never left the cage feeling more prepared than when Frank and I are working together. He's truly a master at developing a plan for every hitter he works with. So, so I, I think he's going to really flourish with this team. And he's, he's big into working counts and getting pitchers frustrated and, and drawing walks. And the White Sox, I looked this up this morning, they had a 6.3% walk rate this year, which was, it was the worst in baseball. And the Tigers were next worst, you know, a, a dog shit Tigers team. Uh, so if they can get up to like seven and a half, eight percent, that's going to equal out to X amount of more runs in the long, in the long run, you know, and runs scoring runs is how you win baseball games. So, um, so I think, I think he's, and we talked about like favorite offseason acquisitions. You don't hear his name thrown out there at all, but I think he's going to be like a very important piece to helping this team win as many games as possible. For sure. Uh, Dave, one guy that I am kind of uh, really intrigued by here in relation to Manchino here is uh, Tim Anderson. Obviously, last year, batting title, um, but the BABIP was through the roof. So do you think uh, Manchino is going to play a big part in Tim Anderson developing even further as a hitter? Yeah, you, uh, you, th- you say the BABIP, like no one expects. What did he hit, end up hitting last year, 335, I think it was? Yeah. Whatever it was, it was it was it was high, but it was a lot of it due to you know having a very high BABIP. Um, if Anderson could walk at a five percent clip, that's fine. I don't think they're going to try to force Tim Anderson to be someone he's not. He's not at the same time, you know. Like a lot of people, like just because he can steal bases and he's he's kind of the scrappy guy of the lineup assume he should be hitting leadoff and not, I'm not saying any of you guys, I'm saying like the lesser informed part of white Sox fans, but if he's, you know, if he's at the seven spot in the lineup and he's going off for a 25, 25 year, 25 steals, 25 dingers, that's perfectly fine with me. And if, but he, he, he can't revert back to old ways because the baseball gods won't allow him to do what he did last year. And he, you know, you could see that, that three, four week stretch where he's just bad, like offensively. So I, I hope I'm wrong, but, and like with Menachino in him, I, I hope he just limits those bad stretches as much as possible or helps get Anderson to a place where he will limit those bad stretches as much as possible, I should say. Good insight there, Dave. Um, last one for kind of on-field White Sox stuff, and then we'll move into some of the fun uh, tailgating stuff after this. But um, the most recent news here is yesterday came out that the White Sox reportedly have a deal in place with Cuban prospect Norgay Vera, and then they have major interest in uh, kind of, they call him the Cuban Otani, I guess. Well, like that was kind of dubbed upon him, but Oscar Luis Colas. So thoughts on these guys? Uh, I, I had never heard of either. I mean, Cuban markets, it's way different because there's not hardly any, you know, tape of these guys available. But um, uh, I think it was Fangraphs had video on. And what, what was the pitcher's name again? The pitcher's name was uh, Norgay Vera. All right, Vera, V-E-R-A. Um, I saw him. I mean, not you, you can't teach. He, he's, he's super raw. And, like, if, if 
you reach his ceiling, you're probably getting a number two, number three starter out of him. Um, I mean, I only, I only watched like a one three minute YouTube video or whatever it was off him, but it's, it's, it's good depth for the lower, for the lower levels of the system at this point. Like he, I wouldn't say he doesn't, I would say he does not fit into the current competitive window unless that window is hopefully like, you know, five plus years. Cause I think he's a ways away. But uh, as far as Colas, I watched him a little bit too. I like people love him because he's like compared to Otani and everything. I particularly didn't. I think he's he's out of shape. Uh, I think he's like Ber- like Jake Berger, like someone who's really gonna have to watch his his weight and his diet and all that stuff. Um, I don't. I have no idea how good he is or bad he is defensively, but. Um, I, I mean, I would say he's probably a pitcher more than a hitter. And I know that's not the common thought, but again, it's just, you know, watching one YouTube video basically on both of them. But I, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm all, if, if the general consensus of all these, like, like Ben Badler, for instance, from Baseball America, if, if he says this guy's a stud, then I, and I'm wrong, then awesome, go and sign him. But I don't like, I don't, I don't know. I think at this point, like, you're signing those guys more for so you can trade them down the road. So, and that's what they need because, like, the back half of their their farm system right now is kind of barren. So, they need those types of guys. So, this, I mean, go and sign them. That's fine with me. But I don't think he's going to help. Like, either of those guys are going to help win baseball games in the next, you know, at least three years. Right. So, now moving away from all the – you know, the baseball, well, it's still baseball talk, but, you know, getting into something a little bit more fun. How many times do you plan on getting out of the ballpark this season, Dave? Uh, I mean, I'll be there every weekend. And I try to hit at least one weekday game uh, where I'll just, you know, I'll just go and, and eat and won't really even drink because I don't want to drop $100 plus dollars on, on a Tuesday night baseball game. But, I mean, it, I'm going to live there this summer. I'll be uh, 81 home games. I'll probably – last year I want to say I went to 25 to 30. Uh, probably, I don't know, 30 ish this year, especially since they're going to win, but I can't wait. I, it's going to be an awesome, awesome year at the cell. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And then I guess just to kind of piggyback off that question, when is Barstool at the park this year? We have, we have a date set. It's, uh, it's going to be July 24th and it is, it's going to be a little different this year. So we're going to have a stage in the uh, in the patio area, and we're gonna we're gonna do a live show with with Han, and hopefully Giolito, assuming he's not pitching that day. If he's pitching that day, he won't be in. But um, so we're gonna do a live show with those two for everybody. So we got the like last year, the last few years they gave us 600 tickets to sell, and uh, they they sold out. This year they're giving us the entire patio, so we got to sell 1,200 tickets. And uh, we are are you guys familiar with Wishfest? I am not. Yeah, I am not. Uh, Okay, Wishfest, um, I don't know if you guys are Notre Dame fans or not. I'm not, but Danny Wishar, he, uh, it's, it's basically a Notre Dame family, uh, three brothers. They all played tight end at Notre Dame. The, last, the youngest one just graduated. He's looking to get drafted in April. Uh, he was a senior this past year. But uh, the oldest brother died of brain cancer like eight years ago. So they have a charity for him. They have a concert on the south side. Every winter, where they sell they sell out Bourbon Street, and 100% of the alcohol, food, ticket sales go to cancer charities. So this year, we're partnering with them, and every every single ticket we sell, a portion of that uh, ticket sale is going to the Weish Foundation, which goes to cancer charities. So looking forward to that too. 
So that That's will be fantastic. live, I want to say, next week. So, yeah, we're, we could – so assuming it's, you know, $5 per ticket sold, we're hoping to sell 1,200 tickets. That'll be six hundred or $6,000 that we raise for charity. The Sox are going to match it. And then hopefully – I'm trying to talk to Tim Anderson to matching $6,000 too. So hopefully about twenty grand that we'll donate to the charity, which would be pretty awesome. Yeah, that's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, cool dude. Hell. That's cool and tough right there. So, yeah, that should be live next week. That's what we're hoping for. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, that was for Barstool at the Park um, and the charity that they're doing out there. So, um, Dave, uh, you know, we're getting we're getting close here uh, to baseball season. Uh, are you going to come out to our opening day tailgate and we'll throw a big one? Yeah, there? absolutely. Um, I'll be at your guys on opening day. And this is not set in stone yet. But on the set, on the fu- so opening day is on a Thursday. I'll be with you guys. And I've only told the one away guys yet this so far, but I'm trying on. Do you guys are you guys familiar with the show uh, Top Chef? Yeah, yes. Yep. Um, so Joe Flam, he's a South Sider, lives in Beverly. Uh, massive, massive Sox fan. Uh, he won Top Chef season 15. Uh, we're gonna do hopefully on that Saturday after opening day a pig roast where we build like a, a 10 by 10 pit, get a massive like an entire like 150 200 pound uh, pig roast it for 24 hours and throw another tailgate on that Saturday we just got to get approvals with like the fire department and shit so that's that's what we're hoping to hoping to do on the following Saturday after opening day that's awesome <laughs> that'd be great Johnny I think you and yeah. I are, are planning to do something that day too I think we've got some guys that aren't going to meet up with us on opening day just because of work and everything so uh we're, we're hoping to be at that game too Dave if that's what's going on I think uh I think the ONTAP crew will be there as well yeah we I, I I wanted to get like every single blog involved with it uh we'd all have to pitch in and be like five bucks a piece to pay for the pig or whatever and then just BYOB um we'd have to start cooking it at midnight the night before um, because it's, it's going to be such a big pig, but this isn't set in stone yet. I, we still got to get all the approval, but the White Sox really like the idea. It's just like with, you know, we're building fire pits and everything. They got to get like city approval. So, yeah. So that's yeah, what we're looking to do. I remember you mentioned that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Go big or go home though, Dave, right? Yeah. yeah I think it'd be awesome. I think, like, it'd be a great way for all the different, like, you know, Sox on 35th, you guys, Barstool, like, everybody to get involved with each other and, and the 108 guys, obviously, and then just, you know, drink a bunch of beer and eat a bunch of pork for a 24-hour period. Totally down for that. Might not leave the lot B that, that, that day if that's where they're having it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That would literally get closed down. That would be, that'd be rough. I'm down for it, though. I mean that that's if they don't come around on those carts and try and kick us into the stadium. <laughs> into the stadium, right? Like that's that drives they me up. It drives me up the wall, Johnny. How many times last year oh, you and yeah. I just sit there so, fucking drinking beers for you know the entire first inning? It's like I don't want to go in and watch Odrisa Mardespanye. Like, <laughs> like, I, I don't want to yeah. do that. You, you uh-huh. know who's great at handling that is if uh, my Sox summer is ever at a tailgate. He he always like plays like really nice with them, and then he's like, "Yeah, no, he's like we're fucking staying out here for another inning." <laughs> There's no reason to go into the into the game at, at least last year, uh, and I, I hope it changes this year. There was like no reason for the last two three years to even uh, go into the ballpark for innings one and two because the beer's cheaper out there. You already have it. You've already bought it, and you know we've got good food out there in Lot B. You know, it, we're hanging out, and you don't have to sit through the first few innings. Dude, 
the, the game that killed me, Johnny, and you and I talked about it, I think, uh, Friday night when you were over, was the, the Boston game on May 4th. Like, we brought our families into that shit, and, like, the first inning lasted, like, three hours. The oh, play. I was at that game, too. Yeah, it was that they lost, like, 15 to 2 or something. That was Michael the Chavis day with, hit, like, uh, a 515-foot home run to the concourse in left field. Yeah. I was at that game, too. Yeah, it was, like, it was, it was just disgusting. Yeah. That was a Kobe start, right? No, no, it was Benuelos. Yeah, it was Manny Benuelos. Oh, no, no, that was right. It was Benuelos. You're right. You're right. It was Benuelos. That game sucked. Whatever inning it was, was, he had he got two outs and then like let up what thirteen straight hits or something like that. Uh, And they still take him out. Yeah, it was just ugly. Yeah, we don't live in the past here. Yeah, it was the one game that I brought my entire fucking family to. It was just (laughs) that was brutal. Like you guys said, hopefully that shit is past us here. Uh, Dave, we appreciate you taking the time. So, uh, guys, get your last questions out, and then uh, we'll let our guests go here. Oh, okay. Well, I don't really have a question, but Dave, it was cool to hang out with you at the one away event. Uh, I don't remember much of it, but you as well. (laughs) You gave me a big you you gave me a big hug, and I'll always cherish that for the rest of my life. But uh, you know. Glad that we had a couple beers, man, and I can't wait to see you on opening day. That's all I got. Yep. Yeah. Same with you guys. Uh, I can't wait. It's the most excited I've been for a baseball season in, in you know, years and years. So I've got, I think I've I got speak just, for every Sox fan when I say that. I've got just one for you, Dave. Is the mayor of Scoop City, is Nolan Arenado going to be wearing a White Sox jersey this season? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, he's not. Not well, unless just, it's like a deadline deal, like something crazy happens. But, no, that account is – not credible. I didn't even bother. I and no, I, 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 I just lied to you guys. I was gonna say I didn't even bother asking anybody, but just in like the you know tenth of a percentage point that this guy did have info, I did reach out, and my guy's like, yeah, not. He's like, lol, nice, like nice one or something like that. Yeah, I, like I will not, say not happening. In his the one thing I will give him credit for is that it's a masterful troll job, and he played the long game with it. So uh, I will give him credit for that, and it did provide a lot of yucks here. Down. Yeah. He quadrupled down. Hey, yeah. Credit where credit's due, man. He, yeah. Look at him. Provided a ton of yucks, so uh, that's all I have to say on that front. Dave, uh, one last question for you uh, regarding spring training, since we'll be out there uh, in, in that same time period. Are you going to – I know most of these are at Camelback – um, for at least the ones that I'll be out there. But are you going to that A's game that's out at their facility on the 20th, the Friday? Uh, I haven't. I, I'm going to be with Carabas and Dallas Braden. So I'm kind of being on their schedule a little bit, aside from when we're doing the Sox with the Camelback. But um, I don't know. I have, I don't know if I've been to the A's park yet. Yeah, that well, might be the only one I haven't been to out there. Yeah, I don't know if they have that lined up, but Braden's uh, A's analyst, so tell him to hit it that Friday when the Sox are there, man. We'll meet up. Hey, Dave, is, is we, Jay yeah, going to be with you guys? Call. Is Jay Hay going to be I with believe, you guys? I believe he is, yeah. He rolled his R last Sunday, just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he came on? Oh, yeah, I haven't yeah, met him yet, actually, like... but he's a good baseball guy. Yeah, he is. He's, a, he's good. He, he knows what he's talking about. He's really good. Yeah. He's yeah. a great guy other than the fact that he's a freaking Indians fan, so that's all I have to say on him. <laughs> But yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. But at least he rolls his R's like a G, though, man. Yeah, no, no, he's a, he's a good guy. Uh, he took time to uh, talk to us. So uh, just like you did, Dave, we we really appreciate it. So uh, yeah, anytime, so, anytime. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll let you go. I'll see you out at spring training, and then obviously we'll all meet up, uh, congregate lot B opening day. So uh, you have a good rest Looking of your day, man. Looking forward to it. We're uh, a month and a half away. Absolutely. Still all right. Far. Take care, brother. Thanks, Dave. All right, take care too.
is our guest, White Sox Dave, here on Socks on Tap in a week filled of guests. That was a very fun episode to record with my dudes. Um, you know, I pretty much agree with everything Dave said besides the seal Puig stuff because I want someone that's cool and tough and is ready to throw them goddamn bows. But that's just, you know, that's just where I sit with it. Like, I mean, dude, I'm just thinking about throwing bows in my basement by myself. But uh-huh. we all hope you enjoyed that interview. Again, be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us all on Twitter. But more importantly, following at Socks on Tap and at ONTAP Sportsnet. You guys got anything else before we ride out into the sunset? Crack them. It's Sunday. Sunday fun day. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for a Blackhawks win tonight. I know Johnny is as well. Yes. Um, you can go and check out. I, I'm, I'm Shameless plug here. Go and check out at Four Feathers Pod, the best Blackhawks coverage in the city. Um, Johnny does an excellent job running that account uh, for the most part over there. And uh, go Hawks. So I'm just going to throw that right in here. Right yeah. Now. Uh, play I, I, I push. plug too. Yeah, we, 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 we're all about our plugs here at the end. We gave, we gave you the content first. We'll plug it here at the end, though. Uh, we are on Instagram as well. Uh, we kind of want to get, you know, we a lot of you guys follow us on Twitter, and that's awesome. Not Socks on Tap, but the OnTap account is on Instagram. So that's same as our Twitter handle, at OnTap Sportsnet, and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash OnTap Sportsnet. Um, uh, go, go and follow those. Uh, we'd appreciate it. And then uh, on the podcast, if you enjoy it, hey, uh, please leave us a review, rate it. Um, you know, five stars and uh, we'll, uh, you know, we'll have some koozies out at opening day too. That was my last thought. So uh, buzz turn over you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, just to kind of piggyback off what you guys did. Um, I'm not going to tell the people here to watch the Chicago bulls because they're goddamn trash. But if you want great entertaining post game show slash preview for the next game, check out bulls on tap with myself and bulls scripted, but we know the King show comes back in a little over a month. Socks on Tap is returning, which reunites me, Johnny, and Tony on the mic on a consistent I'm basis. So and God fucking damn, excited. Does it feel so good, man? If I had muscles, I'd be flexing that shit right now. I do not. But hey, <laughs> <laughs> you get ready because it's coming. And that's all I got, man. Tony, I'll let you lead this thing out. It was a great time. It, it was a great time. Uh, guys, uh, thanks for coming by drinking beers on Friday night. We had a nice little on tap retreat. Thank you both for showing up. Uh, it was it was. I think we killed over like 200 beers that night. I'm not even kidding. That was, that was just an excellent time. Okay. Yeah, we don't that mess was, around. We don't mess around. Um, Pat Comiskey and I were still drinking at like 7 a.m. That's all you got to know. Um, <laughs> it was it was a great fucking time. Thank you guys for coming out. Um, hope everybody enjoyed this show. Buzz, you said it the best right there. The King Show's coming back. I don't know if we're going to get an opening day show in, but we're going to figure out a way to give you tons of content. Oh, no, no. I got an idea for opening day that nobody, if I, listen, listen. We'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it off air. We'll talk about it off air. But, but people will be very surprised. So we'll be back in March doing these post-game shows for everybody. And, and we're going to try and hit 162 this year. I think that's the goal, guys, like every game. 100%. We're going yep, yep. to try our best. I think we did like close to 148, 149 last year. We did really well with it. I think that's that's a lot. That's a lot of podcasts. That's a lot of uh, post game shows. Uh, we're gonna be back doing that. I'm so excited to be talking in game stuff with you guys. Probably have three or four, at least at least four more shows coming before the uh, the, the beginning of the year. Um, Sunday fun days. Um, I'm, I'm excited to do those. But guys, it's gonna be a great year on the South Side. I'm excited. I'm gonna close it out how we always do. White Sox forever. White Sox forever, baby. Forever.